Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, enchantress of books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with guest narrator, Rock Engel. How are you doing today? We're awesome. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and welcome to the audiobook loving series. I've been uh, dying for this chat to happen because I'm like, oh, is it, is it Wednesday yet? Is it Wednesday yet? Because uh, I love getting to know people. And, and of course, we'll probably talk about the dogs later on. But <laughs> why don't we start? Yeah, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got into it? Sure. Um, I've been narrating now for this is my um, 10th year uh, narrating wow. audiobooks. And um, how did I get into it? Well, when I was I was walking around uh, Barnes and Noble back in like 2009, and I saw these basically these these uh, rectangular boxes mm-hmm. uh, on, on a shelf that weren't books. And I said, what the what the heck are these? And I, I, I grabbed one and it was like a John Grisham novel. Uh, and I, I looked at the back to see, see what it was. And, it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is an audiobook. This is a book on CD. And, and, I, and I, uh, on the back, it said read by Michael Beck. And I'm like, hey, I know who Michael Beck is. He was in Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. And he was in, he was in a movie called The Warriors, which was one of my favorite movies as a kid about gangs running around in, in New York. So I said, uh, but besides like an episode of Matlock, um, I hadn't seen him acting at all for like 10 years. And he, I found out he was reading audiobooks and it was a wonderful living. So then fast forward, like um, two more years, uh, a friend of mine is doing a workshop. I pop in, I learn from someone from Penguin Random House. I think at the time it was just Random House. They weren't even Penguin. Penguin and Random House hadn't merged yet. So I think it was just Random House. And I learned a bunch and I still didn't do anything about it though. And then the following year, I, I had some demos made and learned from some guys by the name of Pat Fraley and Scott Brick, who people may know the name Scott Brick yeah. and, um, and, and, and Hillary Huber. So I learned from them. And then uh, after that, we set up some demos some demo samples and uh, got an ACX. And then we did, I think what back then they had, they had what we called stipend deals where they paid you um, $150 per finished hour. And that uh, plus your, plus your, um, uh, your royalties. And so I booked like three of those jobs in the same week. And then my career, that was the very beginning of 2013. And so my career was started and I did not even have a home studio yet. I had nothing. (laughs) <laughs> so I had to scramble around everywhere and I was in Studio City, California and I had to go to the guitar center nearby. Um, and luckily there was a guy in there that was a wonderful audio engineer. So he was able to trick out my, my garage and then I started reading audiobooks at night. And there, there you go. Wow. Getting the job before getting the location. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I had nothing. And the funny thing is like, I had to, you know, uh, it, it, it took me about 10 hours to, to complete one, one, one finished hour of audio for people. So I was making pennies on the dollar, but it was, it was fun while it lasted for sure. Yeah. Learning curve is what I always hear at the beginning. It's a learning curve <laughs> until you get into your groove. 
a deep one. That was a, it was a, and I was a, you know, I did a lot of, a lot of VO, you know, I was working in video games and, and commercials and, and had really good representation for voiceover out there. It just never occurred to us to build our own studios. It didn't yet. There was, I don't know why I, I wish it had. Um, I, I wish someone had said, Hey, just build your own and go out and get your own work. I was totally dependent on my agency um, um, then. And then, you know, once you, you open that, you, you develop your own home studio and you realize, Oh my God, I can get work and I can do whatever I want. I can actually go out there and, uh, and, and market myself. And, and I'm not dependent on this other person choosing what jobs I should be up for. So it, it allowed for a lot more control and a lot more freedom to, uh, uh, for what we wanted to do as, as, uh, as voice actors. Absolutely. Which is probably why they didn't say anything about it before. <laughs> <laughs> so they can have that control. Yeah, true. No, you're right. Yeah. 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 That, that awareness. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for some people, they want, they want you to stay right under their umbrella and do whatever they want to do and be yeah. submissive, which is sometimes okay. Yeah. Submissive, you know, sometimes it's okay. We know that. Yes, we do. Read that stuff. Sometimes it's okay. But then obviously we have limits. Yes. We have limits to everything in moderation. Absolutely. Yeah. And also you start growing and your skill sets get better and then there's other opportunities and you might want to branch out. And that's not the kind of book title that the agency might want to go for. So, but you really want to. So it's all that fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. So in the 10 years that you've been doing this, how has your process for prepping a book changed? Oh my God. I didn't even know. See, see the thing is at the beginning, no one was teaching anyone how to prep books. Like, so we would work on like, say you were, you were studying with someone, right? And then you, back then you would work on, you know, uh, basically interpreting your text, right? And you would, you would work on say like three or four pages, but like no one would teach you how to actually like, how to, how, how, and back then, right? It hadn't quite gone to, all the digital stuff that we have now, it hadn't gone to electronic uh, iPads and tablets. Back then, sometimes they, yeah, they sent you manuscripts. So like um, back then I would have a manuscript, I remember, and you would mark the entire thing up. But think of this, like you're printing out an entire manuscript or someone's dropping off a manuscript to you. And then you are like, I was basically taping it to a, uh, to a, uh, a guitar, uh, what do you call them? They were uh, a mic stand, you know, basically, but it was for guitars. And like, so I had this big thing across, across the top of where I, where I was, I wanted my eyeline to be. And I would take like three pages to it. Uh, so you wouldn't hear like the, the pages turning um, because I didn't know how to edit yet. I didn't even, I didn't know how to work with a, with a, you know, what we call a DAW, a digital audio workstation, which like is what we see on our screen when you see the wave, you know, like I didn't know how to do that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, the fact that you've reminded me of it, uh, uh, looking back, <laughs> I think it was just incredibly time consuming. And, and as far as for, I really didn't even know how to like mark things up properly. And who helped me originally was a guy named Sean Allen Pratt, who's well-known in the nonfiction world. Uh, He was the first person to help me like know how to mark up a page and to what you, and so, and to, you know, what we say call actors, what we say on the day when you're actually performing. Um, When you look at that page, 
looking at your markings and seeing how you want to uh, relate a sentence. Uh, so, uh, you know, nowadays I am, you know, I'm highlighting all of my dialogue. I, I um, you know, I, I, I teach a good amount too, uh, Viviana. So I, you know, I have certain marks that I, I put on a page that indicate to me, you know, whether or not in the, in the, um, punctuation that's available on it. Sometimes you may want to, we want to switch up. Most of the time punctuation is great for us, but sometimes the sentences are a little long, you know, or they're a little too choppy. So for, you know, for the sake of audio, for, to optimize the audio, sometimes we may remove some of those commas or we may put add commas to make sure that, that people understand what's going on. Um, so we have these ways of, of doing that and with certain markings that we can put on the page. Um, and then like, as I get older, my eyes are getting worse. So, and it's even the speed of your eye to go from the right side of the page to the left side of the page. So what I do is I put an arrow to, to let me know like that a, that a, uh, a phrase isn't, isn't, isn't broken up. I have to keep on going and send my eye from the right side of the page to the left side of the page to be able to keep the phrase nice and smooth. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of stuff, you know, and, and then, and then with the, with our internet research, say an author has, say we were brought on, on a, on like say book number four, and, and you've already populated that entire universe or that entire world that that author has, has written in the first three pages with other narrators mm-hmm. and they've already established those characters. So now we have to go into that world and figure out what those characters sound like, um, and that's all part of our prep now. You know, this that that I, I would say 10 years ago, I had no idea. I had no idea that was part of it. And so if you go to some of my books from you know 2013, you might be like, whoa, all right, what is what is this? What planet, what, what planet was he on when he when he when he read this this thing? So yeah, I think that's a common thing with uh, narrators are like, just don't don't do the first couple of books. It's you know, learning curve again. <laughs> I got, I got reviewed though, in my fourth book ever. Mm. Um, and I think that was, that was both good and bad because I wasn't good at certain things. I wasn't, I wasn't great at, um, at third person narration yet as, mm. as far as for the level that someone should be at. I mean, telling stories, um, in someone's ear, uh, now that I'm 10 years in and teach a little bit, it's, it's a very intimate um, experience and you want to, you know, uh, basic rule is, you know, qu- most of the time quieter is better. Um, you know, there are some genres that maybe that's not the case. Maybe some military or um, space opera requires a little bit of uh, more volume and energy. But um, when it comes to the narration, or you, you, you know, dictating what's going on, expositional stuff, usually quieter is better. And I didn't know that yet when I, when I, when we were just starting, I was, I was, I was a host, you know, I used to host a lot of things and, and would do some, a lot of things on stages. Oh. So I would project a lot, you know, always be projecting to, you know, large, uh, you know, potentially large crowd. So, um, you know, I had this voice that was trained to be uh, robust and, um, go over and through things. And then, so it took a while to get that. To Bring it down. down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's definitely, uh, in- interesting. And I know that sometimes I'm always like, when I read the book first and then I know I'm listening to the audio and I'm like, 
oh, this is going to be interesting because in the chapter, he's very upset and he's screaming, but you cannot be screaming in my ear because ouch. (laughs) So having to see how you guys handle that is always very interesting, you know, from those louder moments. Absolutely. You Mm -hmm. know, we, we, we just, uh, it is, um, you know, and then we always, we have, we, now we, we also, we also know that we have our, our, uh, our little thing called a, uh, called a gain. It's a gain switch, a gain, um, uh, uh, knob. So we can turn that knob if we want to get, you know, get a little quiet and whisper a little bit more. Um, and then the level is the same for the listener. So yeah. they get that they hear it at the same level, but they're, you know, they feel like they're a little closer to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insider stuff. I, yeah. One of these days I'm going to get with one of you guys that have a home studio and I'm going to be like, show me, show me it all and teach me just so I know what all these, because there's just so interesting and little delicate stuff. And I'm going, uh, cause I'm all for like touching and learning things, but that's one of those like, mm-mm. like I tried downloading audacity to learn that I'm good at garage bands. Audacity scares me. <laughs> I mean, audacity is one of the, I would say, um, if you want to work with a DAW that ha- that has, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Audacity. I know people use it, and it's it's freeware, and it's great for freeware. But you know, a lot of times with freeware, it does get buggy. Yeah. So um, you know, your uh, a couple of programs that are very inexpensive are Studio One and Reaper, and so and both of those are are just around a, a one time purchase of seventy or seventy five dollars. And you don't, then you don't have to, you know, there's no charge for upgrades or anything like that. It's always going to update for you. Um, but they're, they both have a lot more bells and whistles to be able to, and it's, and they're all both specifically designed for single track recording, which means like, is which is what we do. You know, it's not like say Pro Tools, which is built for, you know, multi-track, you know, studio or um, music work. Um, for the different instruments, yeah. Yeah. Like studio one and Reaper are the ones that, that, you know, the, and it's funny, studio one is basically for people who are like dunces like me, who aren't, aren't going to be very good at, at, uh, at, you know, anything beyond getting presets from, from a a help from an audio engineer. And then there are some narrators who do have audio engineering backgrounds. Like they're really like, they know engineering and they may even know coding. So like if they know coding uh, Reaper ends up being the best thing for, for, for you to use. Nice. Thank you for that insight. I and appreciate yeah, it. it. You watch people on on um, on Discord. Do you watch them work on Discord? I do. I do. I, I I I that's another platform that I really need to work on and get better because it's a little it's very DOS, like 1990s looking. It looks it. Yeah. It looks, but it's not, but it it is, you know, once you get the hang of it, it's it's really cool. And and you know, I'm on there all the time and I'm working. Um, and, but you, but the great thing about it is you just get to see people's workflow. Like you'll, you'll get on there and they will most of the time give you, you know, the, the ability to look at their computer screen and you'll be able to see someone, you know, how they, how they, you know, what's their style. Are they, are they really efficient at punching and rolling? Um, are they, are they, you know, when they make a mistake, do they give themselves some pre-roll in their ear and then get right back in? Um, or are they someone who, you know, 
uh, are more binary and they, and they're still clicking like with a dog clicker. So later on they can oh. see they've made their mistakes. You know, we all want to, I, I need to tell everybody if they're thinking of doing this and want to do it, the punch and roll method is definitely better. You know, yeah. you get it be more efficient and um, it, it'll be, end up, you'll end up sending off better audio with a, with a better ratio, but it's however you want get your, we have to get the audio done. But the great thing is you can watch people do pickup sessions. Like how do they handle pickups when, when they come in, you know, if people don't know what pickup pickups are, that's the mistakes that we make mm -hmm. on that first run of reading the audiobook, And then, um, and then our, our producer will send us back the mistakes that, that we made once the proofer has listened to, to them and figured out where those mistakes are. And then we'll go back in and finish them. So there's a lot of, there's a few different ways to handle um, a pickup session. And, and hmm. some people are like, have to go do use this method. Some people use this one and um, it's just fun to watch people yeah. and kind of how they, how they figure, figure stuff out. Yeah. I'm a learner. So I'm always looking at things of how to improve skill sets or learn something new or even just better ways. I'm also the mindset of work smarter, not harder. So yep. <laughs> that can always, you know, tips and tricks. I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I will be looking into that probably studio because I'm not doing the whole coding thing. I do that for the website. I'm not doing that for the audio. <laughs> yeah. Um, like with any kind of muscle where, you know, when you're working out and stuff like that, you have to kind of do a warm up and your throat and your voice is a muscle. Do you have a routine or a ritual that before you go into the booth to start recording that you have, that you do to kind of get your vocal cords all warmed up? I do, but I'm trying to get better at it. Um, you know, there are, uh, usually I, I, I take a shower to, to warm up my, um, my entire body. And while I'm in the shower, I will do some vocal exercises to basically massage my vocal cords, you know, like humming, we'll do some humming, um, to be able to get any of that stuff that that's in that throat out of there. And then, um, you know, I'll do some simple jaw exercises to, to warm up um, uh, my jaw joints. And um, I will either, I'm not a tea person, but I will during, in the middle of the day, if I'm getting a little rough, I will have tea. But what I'll do is I will have um, a couple of throat drops that are, uh, Grethers is the company name that they put out these chewies. And so I'll have, I would, I'll have two of those chewies before I start as, as my, you know, ritual that I do, um, to be able to lubricate the throat. And then, um, you know, I'll do just some simple, um, pitch exercises just to touch all those, a uh, few of those notes. Um, but it's not extensive, but, but as we get older, um, I'm, and I, and as I, as I'm probably going to narrate 80 books this year, um, there's a, you know, that's the most that I've ever done in my life. And so that's, there's, there's a lot of wear and tear. So in order to stay healthier, there's a, a narrator by the name of Elizabeth Wiley, who was actually a professor at a college and she has put out some wonderful YouTube videos and I've, I've, I have them embedded and I'm going to start watching them re religiously to be able to see if there's things that I'm not doing that, um, she's pointing out and, um, you know, uh, and to, 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 you know, just have a few more options at keeping me, um, not only warm, but active and, uh, and healthy. Yeah. But I'm sure it's also very similar to when you do have an exercise routine. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, it gets kind of boring and then you don't want to. Sure. 
<laughs> sure, um, but, but you're, you're, I think I think I think for narrators who are mm-hmm. in, you know, we play the long game. Yeah, nothing is short. And so, for instance, I have uh, before I, uh, I I take a trip away soon. I have a week where I know I have a book that I have to record at night, but during the day I've booked a video game and I've got three sessions of a video game in the same week. And so, and I have not yet seen the characters that they want me to do. If some of those characters are rough, then I'm going to have to, you know, by rough, I mean, there's a little bit of vocal stress um, because I, in, in the video game world, I tend to play a lot of heavies, which are, you would consider heavy. Uh, the, the term heavy is like an old school movie term where the bad guys, you would call the bad guys a heavy. And so I, you know, in, in the modern video game slash alt, uh, um, uh, interactive audio world, I do a good amount of voice work in those worlds and I you know, have to play some bad guys. So um, when you play the bad guy in the morning, and you still have to pump out at least an, uh, an hour and a half of finished audio that night. And you've got to make sure you got to do those things to keep you healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a uh, rough on the, I know that when I have to do a lot of talking, it hurts after a while. And you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody after, <laughs> but when you got stuff to do, you got to do it. And so it's a, uh, it's good that you're getting this stuff and learning. And even I'm doing some of these things when I'm recording these chats, just to, sound good and not have that gravelly lispy thingy on me on my end so Mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. yeah speaking of the characters um whether it's for video games aside from you knowing that they're the bad guy for an example so hence heavy um more gravelly voices how do you decide how these characters in the books are going to sound and in the books well you know the the authors hopefully there there are some descriptions you know, during our prep, obviously, in our prep, we read the entire book before we start narrating the book. Even if it's a, even if it's a, a duel or a duet narration, um, we will read the entire book to make sure that we know all the knowledge in there. Because sometimes on on the female POV, there might be some descriptions of the male characters and vice versa. Um, or you know, obviously, we have in, in a in a in a dual narration situation, I we have all the responsibilities of all the characters. So. In, there, in, in those other parts, there might be a lot like some really juicy descriptions of these characters that tell us a lot of clues vocally, what, what, what they should, where they should be. Um, so usually there's some, there's some uh, you know, some physical attributes that they describe. There are some, uh, there might be some vocal attributes that they will describe. There might be some adjectives. Um, some descriptive uh, or some descriptions that that will let us know about those particular characters. Um, when we tally all that stuff up, right? We then someone like me, I've got you know a bunch of different categories that um, you know uh, that I that I can alter. You know, we can alter pitch. Um, we can alter pace. Um, I can alter energy and I can alter attitudes. So, and, and these things can vary from character to character if they're going through a particular arc. So, you know, I kind of look at it as a tapestry. You know, you know, say there are 10, 12, 15, 20 different characters in a particular book. I want to take advantage of whatever size of the tapestry that that book allows um, 
And for instance, the, the size of that tapestry, meaning what can I use in my vocal attributes in order to create characters with, with some separation? I can, depending on the genre, that'll determine how, how far I can separate those characters. So if it's, if it's a book that is based in a fantasy or a sci-fi or a, um, or a game lit lit RPG world, those listeners love separation. They want you to go a little further with your characters. So that allows us a little more freedom to make a choice that might not be on the page. However, how, you know, if, if it's a story that's really down to earth, um, we want those characters to be very grounded. So the, the, you know, the changes in the characters might be more homespun. You know, they might be from the story itself. They might be the arc that the character's going through. They might be just that in each individual scene, um, their attitudes are different and they're coming from different places. The voices, the actual voice, what it sounds like may not be too different from each other, but you can definitely tell in the listen when you're listening to the story, oh my God, of course these characters are different characters. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just embedded in the storytelling. You know, it's all about that particular storytell and whether or not we're doing it justice. Absolutely. It's definitely the the cadence is something too that I've noticed uh, as you were saying pace, depending on the character and, and if it's a side character and they're the happy-go-lucky friends, but then also trying to remember that sometimes that happy-go-lucky friend that was in one scene in book five, as a you know, throwaway character is now the lead hero in book you know, 14. <laughs> yeah, so that's where, that's what that question you asked me like earlier about, about prepping, uh-huh. right? That's a, that, those are questions that we, regardless of who our client is, if it's, if it's a, a, you know, a big production company, big publishing firm, or if it's an ACX job from a, a single rights holder, regardless, we're going to ask that question. We're going to say, are there any of these characters that have three lines that are ancillary characters that are going to become a lead in book four? Um, and then and then that will determine what kind of choice we make. We never want to make that choice that's going to drive, that's going to pile drive us into, into an early grave. We want, to, we want to make choices that are appropriate for the entire, because if, if it's a series, that's pretty long, right? We look at it as one long book, essentially. You know, it's the like, even though they're different books, it's really the same story tell as you're going through. That's just going on on this on this wonderful ride. So um, we've got to respect that. And, and that's how we get that that information. But you're yeah, we, we make the we can make a bigger, you know, for, for the person that's coming in for one scene and then is dying. We can make a bigger, a riskier choice, you know, and make sure that that risky choice comes off as long as it's as long as it serves the story. As long as it serves the audio storytell, um, and so we, we've got to be. And the more we do this, the, the 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 better we get at making those choices that that belong. Absolutely. And then you'll get that one author that said, "Yes, that character is absolutely dead, um, not coming back." But then for some reason, they're back, <laughs> and you're going, "You said they were dead. dead, like a soap. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like it's all my children, uh, uh, yes. like General Hospital." <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was Thomas. Was, Thomas was dead. Mm-hmm. He died. I saw him die myself. Well, he's right there. He's yeah. He's in front of me, and he wants to be. He wants to be tested for 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 hepatitis. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he's exactly. That's happened to a couple of it's you guys. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Yeah. 
<laughs> what about the accent? Um, do you have a favorite accent to perform? Uh, you know, do I have a favorite? I love doing, I love Russian. Uh, even though, even though like it's hard to do Russian now because they're, they were just being jerks. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, uh, but I am, I am Italian. My background, I'm hundred percent of Italian origin. So, um, and I, uh, literally, uh, uh, yesterday I finished off a, um, I finished off a, a romance, uh, novel that, um, is a duel and, and they requested that I, that I do it in a Sicilian accent. Oh. Like, so and it's cause it's first person. And so that was a blast, um, you know, uh, to, to be able to do first person Italian because I studied Italian in college and I, I spoke it a little bit with my grandparents. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that was fun to be, to, to bring some authenticity to that. Um, but I, you know, I do a lot of Southern characters and different, you know, different Southern accents. You know, we know there's plenty of different Southern accents and um, the, the, those are a blast. I'm originally from, from Boston. <laughs> so that, that is a, is an accent that a lot of people can't do well yeah. uh, as much as they try. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> people out there that are listening. And I know a lot of maybe some narrators and producers are, that's why, you know, I'll let people know that. My real, my, uh, my real at is Boston voice guy. That's my, that is my real, um, um, tw Twitter, um, handle. So people can, can, if, if they want to figure out who I really am, they can go, they can go to that and friend me there at Boston voice guy. Um, and then, so if it's a Boston story, you know, I'm, I am, I am, I am the guy. Uh, and then, um, you know, New York characters, you know, uh, uh, I love doing, uh, uh, New York people. I've been here long enough now, six years where, um, I've immersed myself into the, into these, uh, community communities. And, you know, you get to hear a lot of different people chatted up and, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Jewish New Yorkers compared to Puerto Rican New Yorkers compared to Cubans. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, a wonderful hodgepodge. So, um, and it's been, yeah, it's been fun. Chicago, Chicago is a blast to do. I love doing, <laughs> doing, doing Chicago characters, Chicago characters. Love it. Um, so, and, and then, and then lots of there, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, for heavies, you know, when you're doing Cockney, you know, the, you know, the South London stuff, the blast when you can get into those worlds. And, and I, I compartmentalize all of these accents. So, when, when I get accents that are required on a particular book, I'll, I'll take a little time uh, on one of the days before and I'll, I'll give each accent an hour and make sure that I have a reference up that, that when I'm doing scenes, if I feel like I'm, like I'm, like I'm straying away from what I want to do, or if it sounds a little loose, uh, I will listen to something and I'm, you know, I was an impressionist coming up as an, as a young actor. So I used to do a lot of voice and, and physical impressions of people. And so I'm a pretty good mimic and, mm. and that helps too. Wow. I pick up the accents. I, when I'm hanging out with people, like when I went to Boston a couple of years ago, it's probably been like sure. 20, been like 20. Um, oh my God. We went, we went through a travel agency and they told us that we had to rent a car. We were not okay. in, in better in the know. 
it turns out that we technically in Boston, if you're staying there, you don't need a car. It's called the subway <laughs> or trolleys. Yeah, the but, tea. Yeah, the tea. And uh, oh my God, she when she was giving us the information for the car at the dealer, you know, at the at the rental place, she's like, yeah, because 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 my my cause of pizza is a shit box and things like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. But now the of all the words, it's car. I, I can't say car. Like I had to like car. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the car. <laughs> that's the only good. word yeah thanks um and they're actually shit, really box. shit box yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's a it's a i like that accent but it, it is difficult to do hawaii that's uh-huh. it so it's h-a-w-a-y-a hawaii hawaii <laughs> I always have to remember like when I'm hanging out with my family or when I go to places to not let it out like that, because I'm like, I'm not making fun. It's just, I pick it up. So after like 24 to 48 hours of being in the city, I'm either have a a little bit of a Southern twang if I'm in Texas, or like I said, if I, when I went to Boston uh, or Savannah, Georgia, the couple of times that I've been there. (laughs) What about the opposite, the hardest accent for you to perform? Hardest accents, I would say um, French, mm. you know, like the, the sounds <laughs> are, you know, I think, I think um, I would have loved to heard, have heard those sounds and made those sounds at like eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old. So those uvula sounds would mm-hmm. sound better. Um, I, all, although I'm really good at German. Um but the German, you know, so there's a, a big difference between West German and East German, you know, hmm. uh, in the country itself. And so the, those, those East German accents are, are, are more rigid and, and you know, are, have um, less of the, of, the, of the warm fields of, uh, on the French side, on the Alsace. Is that you probably pronounce it? A-L-S-A-S-A-C-E. And it's a... It's an area in France, and I know I'm not pronouncing it. like Alsace Lorraine is the, the uh, is the area, and I know I'm not pronouncing it right. But um, you know those accents are, um, you know, just have a lot more of those uvula sounds, um, and they're further back in the throat rather than in the front of the you know the placement is different um, uh, between those two accent accents. And I know I'm talking very general, but like the um, I would say French, you know. Um, and then you know, there's a, some certain accents that uh, you know you, you, we just want to go with essences, you know, mm-hmm. instead of instead of the full accent, you know, for a lot of um, um, maybe for some of the Asian communities, um, instead of going hard into those accents, um, say Japanese or Chinese. Um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's better to go with essences sometimes. Absolutely. Yep. Even Spanish is like, um, or the, yeah, or the, or the, I should say the, the intonation, you know, like the, like the, the rhythms, the rhythms of the, of the, um, of the, of the languages. Sometimes those are, those fit better. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's enough to make us understand that where they're from or what the accent is, you know, about and things like that. Some people, some it, it's can be a little hard when it's, too much because you're like I don't understand it, and or they were going too fast and things. I'm like no, just a little lighter, little lighter, please. But yeah, definitely the essence. Um, with all the different characters that we have in 
the book world. I mean, from the sci-fi stuff to even the romance where we have all these subgenres as well. Do you have a favorite type of character to voice? I mean, I'm, um, I love old school detective noir stuff. So when I get to play those kind of like hard boiled characters in romance, though, that that's a blast, you know, um, uh, I just, it's, it's, you know, so when, when a character is, when I could get to play what we used to call it, it used to be called a gumshoe, you know, these detective guys, um, like, uh, a Dashiell Hammett, you know, Maltese, uh, Falcon, uh, who's the Sam Spade type, type characters, you know, that's a, that's a, those are, those are fun. Those are really fun when you, you can, you can, you can get into that kind of, um, doesn't have to sound like him, but like that Humphrey Bogart kind of feel. Oh yeah, definitely. Or Cary Grant. You know, when you put Cary Grant, if if it was a, a on 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 the a Cary Grant on the rougher side. <laughs> yeah, especially depending on the genre. Not That's for different. sure. Yeah. Is there um speak um with regarding to the genres? Is there one that it's a favorite for you to narrate? Like if you had to pick one to narrate for the for a long period of time, do you have a favorite? I mean, uh, suspense thrillers, you know, I, 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 I and I'm, I'm more and more of the suspense thrills are gravitating to me. Um, but I have fun with it all, you know, our, the, the romance stuff is a blast. And, and, you know, the, the, the reason why I, you like, we're doing a lot of the romance stuff is not only for the storytelling, but it's, we get to work with, you know, a lot of them are dual narrations and sometimes even duets now. So you get to work with people, you know, you get to communicate, you get to like, I get to get have people narrators that are, are fun and like, and like, um, and, and that, that do a great job. And, you know, when you've got some, some, uh, uh, some chemistry and audio, uh, there's nothing better. Um, and then there are some, some projects that are going, you know, in, in the multicast, uh, direction when it comes to, you know, our, our, the larger companies, the audibles of the worlds and the podiums of the worlds, they can um, pay for the larger cost that it that it, it takes to get a, a multicast with potentially six to eight different actors in it. Um, those are becoming really fun too. Um, I know they're the I, I do probably one of those a month, um, and they're and they they enable you know, we'll, we'll get online and there'll be maybe six or seven of us working at the same time and being directed. And so that's, that's really fun too. Wow. Yeah. I have seen some those behind the scenes videos where they do the multicast and they're at the studio. This was prior to pandemic and being able to feed off each other. And when the characters are talking and even that interruption, when they interrupt each other is like, that's, that's awesome. But yeah, the zoom aspect, I think are, they're doing it now like that. And I think a lot of listeners are starting to enjoy the duets for sure. And then get into the multicast, depending on the kind of book that it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a genre that you have yet to narrate in that you'd like to narrate? Um, you know, I don't do that much uh, kid stuff. You know, I, I, I've only done like, say, uh, two or three kids books. Um, and I've done zero middle grade. I haven't Ooh. done any middle grade books. And I think that, that, I think I'd be, I'd, I'd be pretty good at that stuff. Um, 
You know, I, I've got a, uh, I was a sketch comic, uh, at one time hmm. and, and developed a lot of very unique characters that were original characters. And, um, so there is a, there is a, a comedic uh, vein that I have somewhere and I'd love to re- reactivate that. So, and a lot of that, um, a lot of the middle, a- middle, middle grade stuff is, is, it tends to be lighthearted. So, um, yeah. that, that's something I would love to do. Yeah. Are you thinking about ever getting that, you know, the graphics that you were doing an animation up and running and write your own story? Uh, well, you know, I have a, I have a company that we're going to be working in interactive audio. So um, that means like there's going to be a gaming component to some of the audio that we put out. Oh, And that will be, that's kind of that, that, that we can only do so many new ventures, but, but as far as for a new venture that uh, we're, we'll, we will definitely be in, that's the one. And so uh, depending on the platform that we put it out on, there might be art involved in it. There might not be. Mm. Um, so it depends, but there's definitely going to be some, some fun, fun storytelling with some choices along the way. Oh, okay. So that's one of those where they give you the beginning and then you kind of have to pick this scenario or that scenario. And then yep. the story goes from there. Function. Like, so as, as we go through, there'll be junctions where, where if I was narrating, I would say, you know, uh, you're looking over the hill and you see um, a group uh, playing soccer in front of you, but behind you, there, there's a basketball court with one person shooting and, and they're alone and they seem depressed. What do you want to do? Do you want to play soccer or do you want to play basketball? And then you'll say, you know, depending on, you'll either press a button if it's an app or you'll, if it's a, um, something like uh, Amazon, um, what do you call those, the machines that we have in, in all of our houses, the, the, Alexis. The, I can't yeah. say that. Yeah, I know me too, because I have one. <laughs> yeah, she's going she's gonna to wake up. So we, you know, you, you tell her, um, mm-hmm. I, I want to play basketball. And then, and then the story goes, you know, takes a right. And then you start to start to talk about that stuff. And then we eventually have another choice. Yeah. And, and, it, and it allows for a lot of replayability as well. Yeah. You keep going back and playing more stuff um, because you want to make a different choice along the way and it might change everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are, are coming up more and more as little games and stuff that I see are as advertisements when I'm playing another game on my phone and it's, you know, do you want to do this first? Or do you want to do that first? And it's interesting to see how that's going to work in storytelling. It, it well, it, it, you need, you need the ability to, 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 to play it, you know, like, like you've got it, you know, so if, if something is going to be put on a certain platform, that platform has to be able to make you, has to enable you to make those choices. And that's yeah. not the easiest thing to do. No, it's not. That's true. Um, and I know that when there's always an update. I mean, Kendall just did an update that I have to look into as far as just there change one feature in one thing and that upset everything else. And so now no longer movie files are allowed to be up to, uploaded to Kindle. Um, oh, yeah. It's all these little nuances that when you have technology and it happens, you know, change one thing and five other things change. So Mr. Bezos, he's fickle. He's a fickle guy <laughs> that Bezos. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. He definitely is. Um, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? I play with my dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got, I have a, a, a 12 year old Boston Terrier by the name of Coco. 
and I have a almost three-year-old um, uh, Frenchie by the name of Leo. He's Leo the French. So uh, they, um, they take up uh, a good amount of my free time here in my home. I also, uh, um, I have a lovely wife. And so I try to, you know, uh, spend some quality time with her and, uh, and go out and, and uh, see some pretty stuff. We're trying to literally be outside more. COVID has kept us all in and, and, you know, we're safest literally outside in the, in, in, in the air. So as long as the weather's good, we're trying to get more active and go to some local parks. And um, if we do go inside, like we'll, we're starting to go to museums and stuff more. I just bought uh, uh, a museum pass locally that allows us to go to, you know, all these, all these national museums. So we're going to start to get our brain reactivated and, and get out there a little more. Nice. Those, those kind of things. I used to box a lot. I was a boxer. Um, what didn't you do? And people can't see my nose, but you'd know it if you saw it. Uh, it's been broken a couple of times and we've done our best to straighten it out. Um, but there, there, uh, that was, that was something I'm hoping to pick back up now that, um, it's a little safer to be inside a gym. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also want to start to play a little more golf and tennis. Those are on the, on the list. Golf and tennis. I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, what haven't you done? <laughs> Every couple of minutes you're like, yeah, I used to do this. And this is, I'm like, wow, he, uh, he's lived a life. He's done a lot. <laughs> well, I used to, you, we, we haven't talked much about life stuff. You'd be like, if I told you some of my jobs that I had in LA, you'd be, they're better. Oh. They're better. They're better suited for, um, for romance books. Oh, for sure. Hmm. I was the doorman at the largest club in LA for four years, oh, maybe wow. five years. I was the head doorman at the, at the, at the largest nightclub in LA. Um, so That's seeing a lot, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Surviving. I survived. So yeah. that's, I got that going for me. And then I was the a boxing trainer at the, at, at crunch on sunset in, in, uh, in Los Angeles, which was their flagship location. And so, um, that was a blast and those, and those two things were simultaneous. Oh, wow. So both of those things in my life happened at the same time. I was working both of those jobs at the same, at the exact same moment. Ooh. And then, um, yeah. And then, um, and before that, and before that I used to work for Congress. Oh my goodness. See, what haven't you done? <laughs> what haven't you done? <laughs> Just a bunch of random goofy stuff, I guess. That's that's what I've done. A yeah. bunch of and but but from all this stuff, you gain some life experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, you know. And and the funny thing is, uh, to be a little self-deprecating, I uh, I don't think I'm very good at at learning from my mistakes. I just find new industries to make the same mistake, but like <laughs> it's veiled in like you know um, with with some um, some paper mache and balsa wood. So I, I don't see it or it's painted. And then I'll, I, I, and then I'm like, Oh my God, no, I have made this mistake. I made the same mistake 20 years ago. Oh, okay. oh no. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes, and you, sometimes you don't even see it coming because you're either having such a good time or you're so focused on something else because it's something like an upcoming business or it's an up, you know, a new skill that you're learning and you're just focused on that. And then when that happens, you're going, fuck me. <laughs> exactly. And then it's too late. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Yeah. All right. There we oh, go. 
but because it's happened before, I'm hoping that you where can get out of it sooner. <laughs> where's the Where's the booze? Yeah. <laughs> what is where's your? The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I can't even have a Moscow Mule anymore. Like, it used to be my favorite drink, and I can't even have it anymore because the Moscow people are dopes. So now it's got to be an Irish Mule. Now oh, no. we just replace it, or a Kentucky Mule. We replace the the you know we replace it with either um, whiskey or bourbon. Oh my goodness. That's yummier. Yeah, I have to try that. Yeah, you, it is, it's, you... actually, it's fuller. It's got a better flavor. I think that you know the profile of like whiskey with um, lemon it, uh, and ginger. I'm sorry, ginger and and, uh, and lime. It it tastes uh, tastes very good. I think it's it's lime in there, isn't it? Lime instead of lemon. I don't know. It's whatever it is. It's yummy. <laughs> good. I had to try that. I usually when it comes to cocktails, it's always like Bahama Mama margaritas. And so I've been trying to do new cocktails every once in a while. I'll, I'll pick, buy one of those little, like for the Christmas, when they sell those mixers, like sure. by 10, I grab those. I've been getting those and just trying new drinks and adding them. And I'm going, some of them have been very yummy. And some of them I'm going never again. My this- wife likes, uh, try, if, you, if you're a martini person at all, um, she likes the Cosmo martinis. Mm, okay. They tend to be, they tend to be fruitier and sweeter than the regular martinis. Okay. Yeah, because that's why I haven't been a martini girl is because I, I heard that they're very sour in general. But I'm going to try this Cosmo one. Yeah, she's to ask for a Cosmo and it might it might do you good. Thanks. If anybody else has had those, let me know. Um, what is your favorite holiday? Uh, I get chastised for this because my wife says in audiobook narrators, I think in general get chastised for because we never know what day of the week it is. Oh. So never find holidays, right? <laughs> um, well, like I, I like Christmas because it enables me to go back home. I get to spend some time with my mother. Um, I get to see the family that I want to see. Um, what we usually do, though, is we'll go the week before Christmas mm-hmm. or the week after Christmas. So we don't have to be at the um, at the COVID spreader. <laughs> uh, that before COVID, you know, we didn't have that excuse. Yeah. So you had to actually like, like, why aren't you coming to the family party? Well, um, you know, and when you're not in town, you can't be there. You just got it. So, so you choose the, the, the family that you want to hang with instead of the family that you're, that you're um, so blessed to be family with, but would rather not spend time with those individuals. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have someone in the, in our lives like that. <laughs> can't choose your family, you know, no. and, and some of the biggest dopes in the world are our family. Absolutely. I'm that more and more as I get older, I've got three siblings <laughs> and they're all dopes. Oh. All of them. <laughs> dopes. In their own way. All yeah. dopes in their own specific way. I'm sure I'm a dope too, but Hey, um, that makes me, me and them, them. Yeah, absolutely. It's always interesting what our th- siblings think of us, you know, and what we think of them. I have a identical twin and a younger brother. So it's always fun when like, oh, wow. you're such a dork. And he's like, no, you're a dork. I'm like, no, you're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. No, fuck you. <laughs> you know, going, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They, yeah. know, they know what you're thinking. Absolutely. And especially nowadays, whether it's all over the phone or when we're here, if we're physical, I mean, if we're physically in the same room, we'll do that whole like shoving, you know, lovingly you know, smacking on the shoulder and he's like, stop it. You're hitting me. I'm like, what does it hurt? So yeah, siblings got to love it. (laughs) 
Um, I'm, I'm so far away from my other siblings. So they're all nine, 11 and 12 years older than me. Oh, and then I'm, I'm the baby. I'm an accident. You're the baby. I'm, I'm not only the baby, I'm an accident. So like I was not, they were all grouped together for a purpose. And I was, I was like, you Oopsie. know, my mother sneaked, snuck me in. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, every day is a gift. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah. My brother was one of those babies too. <laughs> so did they mess, did they mess with you? Um, no. My mom, no, not really. Like they, they, I was just a different, completely different generation. That's uh, as far as for like physically, did that you mean to like, that like beat me up and that kind of stuff? No, no. You know, they, they were, they were more, um, you know, they were cool with me, but, but none of them were good examples for me. Mm. They weren't like, um, like none of them taught me how to like, how to fight if I got picked on. Like no, none of them taught me like how to, how to like, uh, about girls, like none of them, none of that. Literally. Also, none of that. So it's almost like you were an only child in many cases. Pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, yeah. I look back and I'm like, how could you people do that? <laughs> Literally. Like, as if I was the older brother, yeah. it would have been like, I would have been like, dude, let's do our, our sis. If that guy comes to you, I'm going to kill him. Like whatever, whatever has to, has to happen. Like, like I would have been there and been very, but that, but I'm a different individual than them, you know, yeah. like, like I'm the only one that went to college. Um, so there's a lot of different, you know, there's a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think, I think I got lucky with the, you know, the genetic makeup. I got a little lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got the voice too, to be able to do the audiobooks. Well, it's funny. I don't, I don't, uh, it, it, it's, it's distinct, right? My voice in some mm -hmm. ways. I remember being in a, um, I remember going to when I probably back in 03, uh, 20 years ago, when I started doing commercial auditioning in LA. And I had three auditions in the same day. And they all said, you know, you've got a really nice voice. Three people in the same day. And I was like, whoa, okay. That's people are telling me something. So from that point on, I think, the next month I had a commercial demo made um, and then started to pursue getting a, getting an agent. Um, but beyond that, right now, when you do this type of work for a long time, you hear other people's voices, right? And then you're like, Whoa, that guy sounds awesome. She sounds like an angel. My God. Like, you so you, we really hear like the like the voices that are so not only distinct but like just beautiful, right? I don't have one of those types of voices. <laughs> I know I do. I know I don't. I'm not. I'm not every like the voice itself is not everyone's cup of tea. You know, um, I have some, and as I get older, I'm getting a little more texture in my my voice where it's not it's not as clean per se, um, and it is starting to sound a little older than say early twenties, um, but. Uh, we, we learn what we can do, what we do well. And yeah. there, so there are certain things that like when, when it comes to, to uh, variety and when it comes to being able to um, add, you know, if, if this screen, I know people can't see this screen, but if this screen that we're looking into right, right now, it's us talking on zoom. Mm -hmm. If this screen represented uh the separation that we can get by using different voices, right? It's a potential separation. 
when it comes to if we were doing accents and we were doing, you know, not necessarily pitches, but accents, I can do a number of different accents and have those people sound completely different. And, and they would sound like completely different people and they would be all be real. That's the, that's what I can bring to the table. Um, may not be able, may, may not, you know, I don't have as much pitch range as some other people. I've, um, I'm constantly working on trying to perform better, better females, you know, and it's challenging because everyone, everyone's ear is, is, is different. They're looking for something different. They want to hear something different. You know, they have a gravitational pull towards either the left side or the right side. Usually it's not in the center. Um, so we're constantly trying to improve that stuff that we really have to throw ourselves into a different realm to make it sound realistic. Um, but then we just always come back to what, what, you know, what's important. It's important to tell the story mm-hmm. with some real people Absolutely. and have people feel what we're talking about. And that's, that's, you know, and so, and so we, you know, we want to keep on getting better at, at stretching that, that screen that we see here and going out to the, on the fringes and having it still be, still be as real as can be. And keep on doing that, then then that's great. But if we have to stay a little more in the center and, and, and just to to make sure those people are real, we just try to give the best storyteller that we possibly can. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a misconception when it comes down to the narration where People always say, oh, yeah, I sh- I, you know, it's really easy to uh, narrate audiobooks or I've been told I have a great voice. And I'm like, yes, there's so much more to that, dude. Oh, there's so much more to that. And uh, it's always a fun conversation to have, uh, never deterring anybody from wanting to do what they think they want to do. And I'm like, but just go in the closet for a while. I think it w- was it a uh, Sean Pratt. I think it was the one that did the whole thing, like go in the closet and read something for like yep. an hour. Yeah. Yep. See and see and see how you feel. See how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> is completely gone and you know we get yeah because it's an endurance race um and and it's it's about the story tell you know and and i tell and i um let me know if i can um i'll give people one more website if they can if they want to learn about becoming a narrator i mean i teach a good amount and so i have have a company by the name of leonardo audio Mm -hmm. and they can go to leonardoaudio.com and there's a, a workshop uh um tab that they can click on. And we do some very inexpensive workouts where people can come in and work copy uh, and, and they can, and they can um, get some professional coaching by not only myself, but other, I bring in guest coaches every other week that are all working narrators and you would recognize all the names. Um, and they're basically donating their time to allow people to, to work copy and get coached and, and become better narrators. Um, and then I teach, you know, a bunch of different stuff. I teach people how to, how to prep books. I teach people uh, uh, all about the business. I teach people um, uh, 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 character creation and I teach a marketing class. So, so all that's, they can see all that stuff on there and see if they want to um, partake in what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to see if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. How did the um, Leonardo um, audio book, you know, audio come to play for you? Like, how did that start? It started where I, I wanted, you know, it, it's sort of like the natural evolution of people who get to a certain amount of credits. So myself, I'm approaching 400 total credits that I've, that I've narrated. And at a certain point in time, you're like, okay, um, 
we all kind of become these ACX self publishing slash producing entities when we um, are working with single rights holders that find us on there, or when we find people outside of uh, working for our usual publishers and producers, and they want us to narrate their book. Um, we can, we, we, so we, for certain books are the producer of record. The more you do that, the more you're like, okay, I should become a, a, a certain entity with a little more weight in this industry. Now, there's a couple different pathways, and you know them. One is, you know, for people to become like a production company where um, anyone can go to them and, and they handle all aspects of audio production, and then they hand off the audio, and they're pretty much out of the process. I knew early, early on, I didn't want to just do that. I wanted to be a publisher, which means I want I want a stake in the in the long term game of the product, of the projects. So, um, and then I actually had a diagnosis two years ago, uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, I have MS, multiple scler sclerosis, um, and that's a very hard word to say. Like I've had, I mean, I mean, even if it's in a book, I'd still be ten takes deep. Multiple sclerosis. So. Um, luckily I am not very, um, uh, symptomatic. I'm, I'm minimally symptomatic as, as of this moment, I'm not even on medication, although I should be, and I, and I will be eventually because sometimes we don't even see things in our brain and our, in our brain stem of what's going on with MS. So there are things that sometimes aren't visible that, that are happening. Yeah. Um, but when that happened, I saw that, okay, I don't really want to be narrating 70 books a year, which I've done for the last, you know, I've done between say 55 and 72 books over the last five years. This year, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm on pace to do about 80. Um, but the thing is, I have the, the, you know, my projects in the pipeline now for Leonardo Audio. And as, and so, and so I have, um, I'm developing pre-production lines on, you know, say five or six books right now in particular genres that we want to focus on. And pretty soon they're going to be in production. So then once that stuff happens and we see success with them, it, I'll naturally gravitate toward that stuff. And I won't have to do as much, as much, uh, as much work. And then Leonardo, I mentioned a little bit about the interactive gaming. That that's a a, a long term goal for this company to be a a um, a, a pillar um, in that in that growing industry where we're not only doing um, you know uh, single narrator books and and duets and multicasts, but we're also in the in the interactive gaming world. Yeah, that's again becoming very popular and people like to have options and choices <laughs> and also the curiosity of like, okay, well, if I do this one, what am I going to get? If I do that one, how's it going to work out? So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, and it's not that much of a stretch from say you're on, say you're on a treadmill or you're jogging on the street, right. And you're, or you're taking a, taking a bus ride somewhere or, or on a subway. Um, you know, how many people do we see on, on when you're on the subway? How many people do you see playing like these binary games, like and they're glued to their to that to that programming, right? They're playing it. And if we can attract some of the audiobook narrator, the audiobook listeners that we have, or and or video game players 
people who play video games in their passive playing times, give them this option of being able to listen to something in long form and make, even though they're minimal choices, make these choices along the way. And obviously there can be some games that are more active than others, depending on how active the, the listener wants to be. Um, Sounds exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Looking forward to be able to see that stuff and how that looks in the end. Cause I'm always very fascinated about when someone has an idea for like a business or um, a new you know, item that they're creating, even food sometimes when they're doing a new recipe, you know, it's like, I like seeing the process and then also seeing the end result. And especially when it all works out <laughs> and you're like, yes, yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about work at things working out, whatever. We're still in, in cloud form. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're walking on, we're walking on, uh, on a wonderfully soft cushion right yeah. now. We're lying down on a beautiful sofa and, uh, and that's, 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 or our images of, of that's, what's going to happen. No, no pressure yet. No yeah. pressure. That's good. No, that's good. No eggshell. Yeah. <laughs> well, you keep us posted on that and where you're at with all that fun stuff. It's exciting. Um, is there a song that when it comes up, whether you're in the car or at the grocery store, or maybe, you know, anywhere else that when it comes on, you just have to jam to it, like singing, maybe a little bit of dancing. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I can name two. One is the Pixies. Where is my mind? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And one is you two beautiful day. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Cool. Um, you two as a couple. I'm a big you two guy. Mm-hmm. But but I would say I would say you know beautiful day is the one that that really you know has a lot of good energy in it. Yeah, it does. So are you. Do you like sing and groove at the same time? Do a little bit of dancing? Are you one of those? I I will I will. Um, <laughs> it's a, it depends on it depends on the environment. Uh, okay. If I'm allowed, <laughs> if I'm allowed, I will and I will I will. Uh, you know, I'm a shimmier. Uh huh. I'm like I'm like. Uh, it, it, you know, Trump does it terribly. <laughs> whatever he's trying to do, like that little goofy shimmy, he looks like garbage. I, I, I whatever shimmy that I make that shimmy look good. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Now at least I have a visual. So yeah, I have to add that song to my phone. So if we are ever at a convention or something, or a signing, I it starts playing, and I'm like, where's Chris? You know, where's Rock? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> where, where is my mind? Is the song at the end of Fight Club? Oh. But they're a band. The Pixies was a band that was that they started at UMass, UMass Amherst mm. uh, in, in the 80s. Uh, and I think the late 80s, they were they were like they all like kind of graduated together. So nice. Massachusetts based band. Wow. Yeah. Those are always fun. You know, when you kind of get to see them again from the beginning and see where they're at later on. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you work with words all day. Do you have a favorite word different from curse word? A favorite word. Do I have a yeah. favorite word? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, we, I had a meeting last night with some people. Uh, now that I know how to say it, Manushi. Hmm. Manushi. Manushi. Okay. No, no. Manushi. Oh, Manushi. Yep. There okay. you go. What is that? It's, it's little things. 
but it's the plural version of, of little things. Oh, nice. It's fun. Manushi. So on the other side of that favorite curse word, favorite curse word. Um, I mean, we just got to yeah, go with the old, 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 old trusty <laughs> fuck. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, you know, that's the, that that's the one that, that, you know, comes out when you're, when, when you, when you accidentally, uh, whack your, your funny bone, mm-hmm. uh, on your, on your chair, as you're narrating a really good scene, um, you know, fuck is going to come out. That's, okay. that's just, just the way it is. I could have sworn that maybe an Italian one would have come out of you considering your background. Yeah. There's a couple of those. I've got to relearn them all before I, you know, I'm, I'm going to Italy yeah. uh, in, in, like, in like three weeks so, or, or two and a half weeks. I've got five books to record before. Oh I'm my God. Jeez. To do. Some of them are short. Don't worry. Okay. Some of them are okay. short, okay. but I've got five to do before I leave. And then, and then I'm off for, for 11 days. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Never been there, but I've seen pictures and it's very pretty. Are you, are you doing any kind of food or wine tours while you're there? Yes. The whole thing is a tour. So oh, Perillo okay. Tours uh, is what we, what we ended up signing up for. So we're in every city that we go to They're they're in charge of us for like half the time that we're there. Nice. There'll be plenty of stuff that we're, we're doing, we're doing, that's going to be wine and food tasting and um, boat rides and all that kind of stuff. And experiences. Yeah. Those are always fun. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear about that when you get back. Hopefully we get some pictures. <laughs> yep. Um, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and that you can share what's coming up next? So what am I working on now? Um, I just finished off uh, uh, a series that takes place um, in New York. It's called After I Fall is the book that I just recorded. It's by Melissa Sertia. And I got to perform uh, an Italian first person, Italian Sicilian accent the whole way through it. So it was a blast. Um, and I believe my co-narrator's name was Eliza Summers. Uh, and we uh, had a blast working on it together. And, um, and then I have uh, a really quirky, um, dark humor, love story that I'm working on called, uh, I believe it's called I Cry for Emoticons um, by a guy named uh, Zuvi. He's got such an interesting name. <laughs> so he's going to let me just let me confirm, it, confirm his name. His name is, I only cry for, I only cry with emoticons it's called, by Yuvi Zalko. Um, and that's going to be a fun, fun read. So we're looking forward to that. And then I've got a bunch of box. I've got two boxing books that I'm doing. Um, uh, because I was a boxing commentator for, uh, for a long time, um, boxing, boxing books come to me. So I'll be reading a book about the Hagler Hearns fight from 1985 with, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hitman Hearns. There's a great book called The War. And then there's a book called Berserk by uh, about the life of a guy named, named Edwin Valero, 
who um, did not end well. His life did not end well at all. And it goes into a little bit of a story of why his life went, uh, went awry. He was very young and a great fighter at the time and, uh, and did some very bad deeds before, before he passed away. Aww. So that's what I got coming up next. Nice. Nice little mix there. Yeah. Yeah. And then well, you know, a little nonfiction too, to, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to pay the mortgage. <laughs> it's a nice little mix of everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. I appreciate you and your time. I'll tell you the, the last thing I will say though, is the funniest thing uh, I find about our job that we, that, that we have to do mm-hmm. is how, how people love when we say the word cock and how differently each narrator says it in yes. those particular types of scenes. I think that, that how that, how you, your narrator says the word cock tells you a lot about them and their, and their background and who they are and, uh, and, and the structures by with, by, by with they they've, they've developed their lives. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a tarot card. Oh, okay. So I, when, when narrators say, say cock, it's like a, it's like a tarot card. Literally. Oh. It's like wow. getting, getting, your, getting your palms red. Jeez. Now I'm going to have that in my brain. Thanks. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a good one. Thank you for that. I'm like, okay, well, like he's okay. The word just cock just came up. Okay. Where, what am I getting? What am I getting from this? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again for hanging out with us and everyone. Thank Thank you. Everyone, thank you for hanging out, and we hope you enjoyed this interview as well as the series. Make sure to follow Rock on social media, and sure. maybe you'll discover a couple of other things, and we'll include all those links in our main page over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you for joining us in the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program 